Okay, so I had this little flash of inspiration the other day where I thought I should talk to people about this thing. And uh, it, was, it was two things really that I thought might be really helpful and might be really useful for people. One is to talk about in brief, because I do tend to go on otherwise if I don't tell myself to be brief, not running from pain and being like a discomfortophobe and just how damaging that can be. And the other thing is clarity of intent. So let me give this, let me, let me give you, like they would with a research paper, they give you the abstracted form first. There is a power in grieving. There is a strength and a, a clarity and a lightning and a cleansing in facing up to the things that you're running from. There is great danger when you don't do that, when you run from the things that make you feel a bit icky and uncomfortable perpetually, when you go into denial, when you avoid that which you don't want to face up to because you don't think you can handle it or you think that by facing it it's going to destroy you. There is a sickness there and if it goes on for long enough, rot can set in. You've got to remember that personality disorders, all of them, all the clusters of personality disorders, are rooted in some kind of traumatic break with reality. And the personality disorders can be understood as a kind of large-scale, highly complex, systemized, and then ingrained coping mechanism, or series of coping mechanisms and series of defense mechanisms to protect the vulnerable inner self from the pain of reality. So running from pain, obviously at first blush would seem like the most natural thing to do, to run from danger, to run away from pain, to avoid suffering. But when it's taken to a neurotic extent, that's the cause of, of mental illness. That's the cause of all mental illness and personality disorders. Jung said, let me get this right, the beginning of all neurosis is always the avoidance of legitimate suffering. Now legitimate suffering in this context means grieving. It's always grieving. It's always facing up to the loss of something. Instead of paddling like fuck and trying to escape it, just turning around and looking at it and going, what? What mate? What are you going to do? It's only truth. It's only reality. Just face up to the reality of the situation you're in. Just face up to the reality of whatever your reality is. Like Eckhart Tolle would say, what are you going to do? What are you, what are you going to do, kid? What are you going to do? You're going to say no to reality, kid? I sounded like Eckhart Tolle there a bit. You can't. Well, you can. If you want, you can say no. You can have a really deep no to reality, but by the time you've come around from all your no-ness, reality will still be there waiting for you. So what can you do? You can only sink deeper into a fantasy. So don't, don't run from pain. Don't become a discomfort phobe. Everything good about life, everything that is worth having is gonna be slightly outside the comfort zone. And that might mean pain. That might mean some tears, that might mean 
doing things that you don't like to do or you don't want to do or that frighten you. I get scared. I get scared all the time doing this project. I want to be brave. I want to be a role model for bravery and for courage for people, but I get really frightened sometimes because it's scary, because there's a big responsibility that's placed upon me that you know I didn't really sign up for. But now that I'm here, I can't just abandon people midway through. I have to try and see it through. And that's frightening. Um, and it makes me anxious. And I know that I need to be a certain person in order to meet the requirements of, of the role that's being placed upon me. And in order to be that person, I have to go through some discomfort. I have to go through some pain. I have to mature. I have to let go of some toys from childhood. I have to let go of some ideas, some very comforting ideas and beliefs and practices and behaviours. I just have to let go of them. And there's a grieving to that. There's a sadness to that, a deep, deep sadness that I'm going through right now that I have to in order to grow, in order to change, in order to be what I need to be and in order to just be healthy and boundaried. How can I be a role model for healthy, boundaried behaviour if I don't walk my talk? Then I'll just be another fake. And then if you find out, you'll be just as disappointed as you were the first time you found out that somebody was a fake. And you'll go back into an abandonment trauma that leads all the way back to childhood. <laughs> I've always had the idea that if I was going to do something like this, I would be whatever I am, no matter what the situation. You know, so if I accidentally got drunk, I'd still be the person that I'm supposed to be. If I'm really sick, I'm still the person that I'm supposed to be. If I haven't slept for two days, or I'm terrified, or I'm enraged, or I'm really happy, or whatever I am, the way I seem at the front is the way I seem at the back. The way I am on the outside is the same as on the inside. And if I can't do that, I don't want to do this at all. I'll do something else. So what I've been thinking about is every time there's any kind of level up for me in my life, usually the recurrent theme, because I'm trying to think back for you guys, you're saying, well, how did you overcome social anxiety? How did you get any leeway on CPTSD? How did you start moving forward in your life? Because you've got to remember, my life was completely fucked three, four, five years ago. I was living in somebody's garage. And then after I lived there, I lived, I was living in spare rooms and people's spare rooms. I was living in a not very nice area of a city in Asia. I was poor by local standards. You know, I, I, I ran out of money. I was running, I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't eat. Um, I got sick once from eating uh, three year out of date biscuits that I found um, in my in my friend's house, my friend was away in, uh, in in Malaysia, as in a lot of Muslim countries after Ramadan. Uh, what's the celebration? Is it Raya? They give each other biscuits and cakes and stuff. And I found some in a cupboard and I ate them. And I got really sick, but I didn't have anything else to eat. Now, how I I, I counted on my hands because I was like, this will be something that I tell people about one day, and I'll be able to tell them that I came from I drag myself out of a fucking gutter to do this. So I was like, I'll count on one hand how many times I was literally hungry. And then it was, it was one hand, and then it was two hands, and then I had to start over again, and then I had to go beyond that again. And this is in the last five or six years of my life. This is not like, oh, 20 years ago, 
you know, nothingness, this was quite rapid. So I try and remember how, how did I do that? How did I get from there to here? How did I get from being completely fucked? Just walking around in a haze, just devastated. My heart just completely crushed. My mind scrambled, couldn't function, couldn't do anything. How did I do it? What was it that allowed me to pull myself together? And one of the things, it's deleted now. I made a video for the Street Fight Secrets channel and it got deleted um, when they took my channel from me. It was just called Do Not Run From Pain. And I remember after I made that video, there was a, an elevation in my own life because as I'm teaching that, I'm teaching myself. It's tricky. It's a, it's, it's a difficult thing. And it's, as I say, it's, it's a scary thing, but you can't do it. You can, but you'll be a fake. You'll ca you can, but you'll go crazy. So the second part of what I, what I wanted to talk about was just clarity of intent. Losing yourself in terminology and internet research and other people's stories of narcissistic abuse is a kind of spiritual bypassing. I guess it's a psychological bypassing, a psychobabble bypassing, a narcissistic abuse forum bypassing. You're just using that stuff to masturbate with so that you feel okay, so that you don't have to face up to the pain. And the clarity of intent should be that you're not going to do that, that you're just going to do what it takes to heal. And when you use affirmations, they function like spells. So you use a certain sentence inside of your head and you say, I'm going to do what it takes to heal. That's a different sentence with a different power to it than I'm going to learn as much as I can about narcissistic abuse or I'm going to sit on the internet for five hours and, and numb out. Because it's a drug, that thing. That shiny black mirror that you stare into with the pixels popping back at you. It's a drug. It's an addictive drug and it'll pull you in. It'll pull you into the black mirror and what it pulls out of you will not be nice. Which is why people act like such cunts online. Because it just pulls out the worst of them. Unless you have a discipline to stop that, unless you have a discipline to make sure that, that doesn't happen. So you've got to have clarity of intent, that you just want to heal, that you're not going to go around the houses and dissociate and run away from pain. And you've got to have a clarity of intent. Clarity of, of intent is not an intent to do 10 things with 10 different minds. Clarity of intent is the intention to do one thing with one mind. And it's that samurai sort of mindset of I'm going to do this and only this or I will die trying. I will die in the effort to do this. And that was another thing that I did that I can remember doing that caused a very rapid acceleration in my own healing and growth that got me from living in what is ironically called the happy garden in Kuala Lumpur where they butcher animals straight into the road, straight on the street. So when I wanted to walk to the shops or walk to get a taxi, where I lived, this is gross, if you don't want to listen to this, then don't, then don't listen to it. Um, where I lived, uh, there would be a gel on the road and it was blood plasma that had separated that would then cook in the hot Malaysian sun and then crows would come and eat it. It was this like road paste. <laughs> it fucking stank. 
and I used to walk through there and I'd think, this is me, this is my life now, this is me at, you know, with every opportunity I've been given in my life, how the fuck did this happen, how did I end up here? A psychologist friend of mine said I'd return to the scene of the crime because that's where the person was from who'd put the poison arrow in me. Or at least I thought I was returning to the scene of the crime, maybe, I don't know. At the time it seemed like a difficult mystery puzzle box that needed to be solved. Now I think it's all fairly straightforward. And I want you all, rather than getting addicted to the mystery of playing with a puzzle box, fingering your puzzle box, <laughs> there's a metaphor there, endlessly, of just putting it down and just looking for the straightforward solution, the adult solution, and let's try together, because we've established that kids with CPTSD, kids in adult bodies, can say and do stupid things, can say and do, we all have done it, say and do reaction-seeking things, because we don't know where the boundaries are, we don't know who we are, we don't know where we fit into society, we feel like perpetual outsiders, and we're kind of kicking at the walls in the dark trying to find where the boundaries are, trying to find where the reality is, because the gaslighting machine now operates inside of our own heads. Well, what's the cure to that? It's really not just talking to other people about that or reading other people's stories online. It's actually just saying, okay, let me take a good, long, hard, objective look at myself. Let me see where I'm running away from pain and see if I can compassionately, but very strongly and determinedly stop doing that and let me see where I can grow up. Let me see where I can let go of being emotionally immature as a defense mechanism. Let me see where I can grow away from being silly where it's not time to be silly and cute funny where it's just totally pointless and just a defense mechanism that keeps you hurt, keeps you stuck and stops you and the people around you from growing and moving forward. So those are my two thoughts. Um, do not run from pain and move forward with a clarity of intent. And uh, please remember everybody, um, this channel is not for everybody. I never said it was for everybody. And I'm not going to um, submit to the overwhelming demands I've received recently to change. I'm not here to do what you're fucking telling me. I'm here to tell the truth. Because I'm now very aware that I'll be dead one day and we'll all be dead one day. And our names will be forgotten and the names of our grandchildren will be forgotten. And none of this will have meant anything unless we give it meaning. And I can't give it meaning by submitting to the demands of strangers with weird agendas on the internet. I'm kind of telling you people, and you know who you are, to get the fuck away from me. Just stop, it's not gonna work, it's not gonna happen. If it was gonna work, it would have happened a couple of years ago when you first started. Didn't work then, it's not gonna work now. But hey, you're welcome to keep trying if you feel like you have the time. Well, that's it for now. Uh, as ever, thank you for your time and your attention. Please be very careful what you give your time and your attention to. Um, and just don't pour it all into the black mirror. Um, if you have time, you should check out Charlie Booker, Brooker's series, uh, The Black Mirror. You'll probably find it somewhere online. It's pretty cool. I recommend that. Okay, I guess that's it. 
Thank you.